All right, tonight is one of our uh, regularly scheduled equipping nights. And I know of, I think, just one ministry that's going to be meeting during this time. So I believe the Building and Grounds Committee. Is that right, Matt? All right, so if you're on the Building and Grounds Committee, uh, you can be dismissed at this time. And I think head toward the conference room here to, to your right. Uh, I know of at least one other ministry that is going to reschedule their equipping time for, for a later date. For the rest of us, uh, I want to try to equip us. I want to really take this biblical principle that the church leaders are given to the church to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And I want to try to take that principle and uh, see what the Bible says in, in one particular area. And so let's take our Bibles and open to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12. I really appreciate uh, much, all of what Jacob shared, but one thing he shared that ties in with our lesson tonight is, as he said, something to the effect of, uh, I want to serve God as best as I can for as long as I can. And tonight, we want to see what God says, or at least part of what God says, about Christian service or serving. To give credit where credit is due, uh, most of what I'll share tonight is a portion of this book written by Tony Merida. I think is how you say his last name. The book is titled Love Your Church. There's one chapter in here particularly about serving, and it was really helpful for me as I uh, prepared for this week. So give credit to, to that author. Let me ask you a question to start. Whose church is this? Whose church is this? Sometimes you'll hear people talk about a church and they'll mention a person's name. Sometimes the, the senior pastor, the lead pastor, the head pastor. And we understand why a person might do that. Um, but whose church is, is this? Now, some people says, say God's, and that's correct, right? We are his people. We are the sheep of his flock. He is the one who has redeemed us and made a new people, is making a new people. So this is God's church. Uh, humanly speaking, whose church is this? Ours. It's ours. It is ours. We are a congregationally governed church. We are a congregation church, not a capital C congregationalist church like that denomination. But we are a congregational church. And so an illustration I've used before, but I'll try to try to refer to again in a helpful way, is that uh, the church is not like going to a football game where you sit in the crowd and see all of them do the hard work. No, it's more like uh, a community 5K where there are more people involved in running than there are on the sidelines cheering. And so we who are members of this church, we are the ones who are responsible for the church and responsible, yes, for, for ultimately who leads the church and even for what is taught in the church. But here specifically, let's consider how we are responsible for the ministry or ministries of the church. And we're thankful that God in his sovereignty has designed the church to have leaders even lead servants, so elders and deacons, 
Uh, but ultimately, it's, it's ours, right? And, and so we are the ones who are called to, to lean in to the church. So if I were then to ask you a little follow-up question here, then the question is this, why serve? Why, why should you, why should I, why should we serve? And maybe particularly, why should we serve in the church? Why should we serve? Now, some would say, well, I, I just ought to. I should. Others would say, well, I was asked to. So I did. Others would say, well, because I, because I receive from the church, I should also contribute, right? Maybe, maybe you as an individual, you, you receive blessing ministry from the church. And so you feel like you should also contribute. And maybe others would say, well, that's just what good Christians do. They serve. Maybe others would say, well, if nobody serves, then this ministry will die. Now, those are all accurate reasons, motives, motivations for serving. But the Bible gives us better motives, even better than those. Those are true and, and accurate. And I would say that they're fine and even good reasons for serving. But the Bible gives us some better motives for serving. And so here in Romans 12, we're going to see two of the three motives that we'll look at tonight. And then we'll see one final one from, um, from 1 Peter. Let's pray. And then we'll see some of the motives that God gives us for serving. Let's pray. Father, we pray that we would know what you have revealed and we would live accordingly. So I pray even tonight for those of us who are members, especially of this church, that we would understand what you have said about, about our service. And that it would not just be new content or additional content into our minds, but that it would change the way we live. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. So if you're looking for an outline or, or points or notes, uh, I have three points, of course, right? Isn't that how we normally roll? We have three points. Uh, but here are the three motives that we'll see tonight from the Bible. Three motives for serving. First, the mercy of God. The mercy of God Secondly, the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts, plural, gifts of the Spirit. And then third, the return of Christ, the return of Christ. Okay, so here we go. First from Romans 12, the mercy of God. And this is really a perspective looking at, at our past. You're in Romans 12. Look at verse 1 with me. Romans 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I appeal to you, therefore, so therefore connects this verse with everything that came before it in Romans. And Romans 1 through 11 is all about God's mercy. Those 11 chapters, just over and over, we see God's mercy toward us. And especially his mercy toward us in saving us. So if you're a Christian and you struggle sometimes to serve the way that, that we ought, the way that we should, remember God's mercy toward you. Your sins are forgiven. Period. They're forgiven. You are accepted by God. 
the holy God, the sinless, perfectly righteous God, fully accepts you. And not only accepts you in a judicial way, but accepts you and, and has adopted you in a very loving, tender way. So he's not just the king who rules, but he's also your father who says, come, draw near. The mercy of God will motivate us to serve. That's the logic of of verse 1. The end of the verse says that this is our spiritual worship. Some translations uh, use the word reasonable, or you could even say rational worship. The idea is that it's just logical to look at God's mercy and then to to serve him. It's like just logical. Even a non-Christian, when when confronted with those facts about what God has done for his people in Christ, would say, well, if that's true, then, then anybody who would say that's true for them is going to, to serve him. It's just rational. It's reasonable. It's, it's our spiritual worship. Now, for much more on this, uh, Pastor Ross preached a sermon from, from these verses about the mercies of God, I think about three or four years. And if you want to find it on our website or, or on, at the GARBC website, you probably can find it. I highly commend it to you. But God's mercy is, is a primary motive for our service. Early on in Christian history, uh, believers were actually accused of being atheists. Why? Well, New Testament Christians didn't go to the idol houses and bow down before these, these man-made idols. And they didn't bring, like, Old Testament, you know, sacrifices, animal sacrifices anymore. And so they were accused sometimes of, like, well, well where is your God? You don't even have a God. We, see, these are our gods, these idols, and, and here are our sacrifices, and, and you don't, do animal sacrifices and, and you don't have idols. And the Christian response is, is what? Well, we are the sacrifice. We present our whole selves, our whole bodies, our whole lives. We worship the true living God. And so we bring ourselves as living sacrifices. So we're no longer tied to a place. We no longer have like a holy place or even a sanctuary. No, in, in Christ, God accepts us because of, of what Jesus has done. And we can approach God no matter where we are because we have Jesus. So in other words, when you look at the mercy of God, if you consider his unmerited favor in your life, the, the only logical response is to offer yourself to serve him. So the first motive for service is God's mercy. Look back and see God's mercy. The second motive from this passage is the gifts of the spirit. The gifts of the spirit. So we we already read verses 1 and 2. In most of our Bibles, there's a a heading, a subject heading over verse 3. Maybe your Bible says something about spiritual gifts or the gifts of grace. So verse 3, Romans 12, verse 3, you follow along. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. This is not a completely different topic 
The word for at the beginning of verse 3 ties this to what came before it. So Paul, being inspired by God, is saying God's mercy, the only rational, reasonable response is, is living sacrifice. For, connection, for we have these, these gifts of grace. Look at, look at verse 4 now. Keep reading verse 4. For, as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. God in his wisdom is going to give some instruction here in a few verses about spiritual gifts. And God in his wisdom knows human nature, knows how we tend to think and operate, especially the old nature inside of us. And so before he really gets into the specifics of spiritual gifts, which we'll get to in a moment, he says, first, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Isn't that human nature, right? You might look at the list of spiritual gifts. There are some here. There are some in other passages and go, well, I think I clearly am God's gift to the church in whichever one you pick, right? And God says, no, no. First, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Now, that does not have to do with, with alcohol or anything like that. What, what he's saying is think rationally, reasonably. Don't get carried away. Think, instead of thinking selfishly or arrogantly, think accurately. That's what it means. Think in line with reality. Now, this passage has a lot of parallels to, to another passage. So you can keep a finger in Romans 12. We'll come back to it. And turn now to 1 Corinthians 12. From Romans 12 to 1 Corinthians 12. And I'm going to have you kind of flip back and forth a little bit to see the parallels in these two passages. So Romans 12, we already read verses 4 and 5, right? One body, many members. Now look at 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 12. Just as the body is one and has many members. We can just stop there. So the theme of one body, many members is here in both passages. Then... Romans 12, 3, we already read, don't think highly, but, but think humbly or think accurately in line with reality. Now, 1 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 12, starting in verse 15 down through really the end of the chapter, you have these body parts who are saying, I don't need this other body part, right? Verse 15, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, or verse 16, if the... If the ear should say that, verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? Verse 21, the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. So here in both passages, we have this idea of, of think humbly. Think accurately in line with reality. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, then we have this specific mention of different gifts. Verse 28 down through verse 31. And the idea here is, is to use the gifts. To use them within the church. To, to not just identify them. But then to use them in, in service. And back in Romans 12. What do we have beginning in verse 6? 
Look at Romans 12, verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Maybe it's the the people I know and not the people you know, but I'm familiar with enough Christians that I've heard a lot more about identifying spiritual gifts than I sometimes hear about using spiritual gifts. But God says, use them, use them. They're to be used. And then in both passages, what's the very next big topic? In Romans 12, it starts with verse 9. In 1 Corinthians, it starts with chapter 13. It's a four-letter word. What word is it? Love. Yeah, love. So in both places, and you can turn back now to Romans 12, but in both places we have these, these, these similar themes, right? So the church, our church, one body, united in Christ, many members, different skill sets, different spiritual gifts. Think humbly. Don't think highly. Don't think arrogantly. Don't think, well, uh, I'm not that body part and wish I could be that body part, but, but think in line with reality. Use the gifts that God's given to you. And, and do it because we love. Do it out of love. Right? The gift is not greater than, than the love. It's all so that we will love one another. So then back in Romans 12, we didn't even read these, these gifts yet. But beginning in verse 6, we have seven gifts in this passage. Now, there are other passages with other gifts. You can read 1 Corinthians 12 or Ephesians 4 or 1 Peter 4. But the emphasis is not really on the different gifts. The emphasis is on, is on using them within the church in love. That's the emphasis. So now let's, let's try to apply it to us here, right? We said this is our church. This is our church, okay? So are, are we thinking, are you thinking, am I thinking in line with reality accurately about how I, how you, how we can and should serve in the ways that God has gifted us. Now, thinking accurately and in line with reality sometimes means we need the help of other people. Because if you're like me, you know, our perception of ourselves can be very skewed at times. I like to think I'm an organized person. And yet today there were like three or four times when my lack of organization revealed itself. And I need people in my life to go, well, maybe you're organized in some ways, but, but actually you're, you're not as organized as you, as you think you are, Kevin. Okay. So the body can help us even in identifying what gifts we, we might have. But the emphasis again is not just on identifying the gifts, but it's on, it's on using them, on using them. So how might you uh, take this passage and, and apply it into our church. Well, you might want to ask people who know you well, where do you see me really being a help to our church? Maybe people you live with, maybe just good friends, especially if it's a good friend within our church context, you might just say, hey, based on what Pastor Kevin shared tonight from, from Romans 12, could you help me see how I can best serve our church? Maybe it's in ways you're already serving. Praise God, press on. Maybe there's 
things that people would identify in you and they would say, you know, you actually, you're really good at this. And, and maybe our church doesn't have a need for people to serve in that way. But, but if our church does, you'd be the type of person that would really be a blessing to, to the people of our church. Those are good conversations to have with people who know you well. But then, then the, the next step is, is just to serve eagerly. So don't stop with just identifying like, oh, this is how God's gifted me by his spirit. But, but, that, but then jump in and, and serve. It's interesting that of the spiritual gifts listed in scripture, both here and other passages, almost everyone is actually required of all Christians. So we're, we're all asked to serve and to teach and to exhort and to give and to show mercy. Right? Now, some are gifted in, in extra ways in, in those, some of those categories. But, but if you think, I, I really shouldn't show mercy. It's not my spiritual gift. We were thinking wrongly, right? So, so just start serving. Start serving. And as, as you serve, as I serve then people will help us recognize ways in which, in which we, are, we are gifted. So, two motives so far, okay? The mercy of God, the gifts of the Spirit. And then the third motive we see in 1 Peter 4. So turn now to 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter 4. This third motive is, is looking ahead. We're going to read 1 Peter 4, verses 7 through 11. And as we read, see if you can pick up on some repeated themes from Romans 12, from the passage that we, we were just in. All right. 1 Peter 4, beginning in verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded. Ding, 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 ding. There's one theme. For the sake of your prayers. Above all... Keep loving one another earnestly. Ding, 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 ding. There's another theme. Since love covers a multitude of sins, verse 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Verse 10, as each has received a gift, use it. Ding, 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 ding. There's another theme. To serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So what's the final motivation? It's the, it's the return of Christ. It's the return of Christ. That's how verse 7 begins. The end of all things is at hand. I think it's more of a caricature than, than real life, but you've either heard about or you've seen these people like carrying signs that say like the end is near, right? The end is near. Well, that's kind of what first Peter four, seven says, but it doesn't stop there. The end is near. So what? Be self-controlled and sober minded for the sake of your prayers. The end is near. Pray. Think rightly. Be self-controlled. Next verse, verse, verse 8. The end is near, so love each other. Next verse, verse 9. The end is near, show hospitality. Verse 10. The end is near, 
serve. You know, when, when God, through Peter, speaks about the end, he doesn't call Christians to, to fanatical craziness. He doesn't call Christians to focus on, like, which events in our world line up exactly in the timeline that we think things are going to happen. You know what he does? He calls us to, like, ordinary Christian faithfulness. The end is near, so pray, love each other, and serve. Now, eschatology is important, and it's worth looking at the other parts of the Bible to see what God says about the end. But in this passage, God says the end is near, so pray and love and show hospitality and serve. Our final motive for, for service is, is the return of Christ. Christ will return in all of his glory. So, so get busy serving. Get busy serving. I'm going to share four practical steps here at the end uh, uh, before we close. So first, if you are like me and, and sometimes you, you get discouraged about serving, now you know you should and, and, and you know it's right. And, and again, you're speaking to yourself, counseling yourself like this is a good thing. Keep serving. Um, focus regularly on the gospel. That's the first practical step. Focus regularly on the gospel. Maybe you could use a resource like the gospel primer. It's a short little booklet that just rehearses the gospel. Maybe the gospel meditations series of devotionals that Chris Anderson has helped produce. Um, just think regularly about the gospel. Secondly, don't be a critic, be a servant. If you see an area, especially in our church that needs to be improved, then, then jump in with permission, jump in and, and try to improve it. Try to improve it. Ask some good questions like, hey, could I help here? And, and would, this, would there be something that I could do to improve this? Um, so, so jump in and, and serve. Third practical step is uh, just pay attention to the needs of the church, especially when there are announcements or emails about volunteer opportunities. Uh, pay attention to those and, and consider how you can serve. Maybe it's an area where you've never served before. Maybe it's an area where you think, I'm not gifted in that area. Maybe you could ask a friend or someone who knows you well and say, do you think, do you think I should do that? Do you think I, I could do that? It sure seems like our church has a need because I've heard of this ministry opportunity for quite a few time, you know, quite a few weeks in a row. Um, man, I, I'd be, I'd be glad to serve if, if you think I'd be a blessing to, to that ministry or to those people and ask people who know you well and, and jump in and serve. And then final, um, just pray, pray for service opportunities, pray that God would, would open your eyes, open my eyes to service opportunities so that, so that we can obey him. Because if we're a Christian, he's given us gifts and he says in Romans twelve six, use them. He says in first Peter four ten, use them. So if we're not using them, then we're actually disobeying what, what God has said. I know I'm speaking to the Sunday night crowd, right? These are the ones who, when there's a need, you step up and you jump in. And so I don't want this to be heard as, oh man, Pastor Kevin thinks that we're all lazy. No, that's not. That's not it. Well, I hope this is heard as Pastor Kevin understands that in service, we can sometimes lose sight of the, the best motivations for serving. Because I've been there. And so when, when we 
forget or it just slips our mind the best motives for serving. God's mercy, the gifts of the Spirit, and Christ's return. And may he give us zeal and joy in, in serving. I'm going to close our time in prayer here. And then I believe that after we pray, we will be able to watch this update from the Wagners. I think that the AV team was serving really vigorously over the last few minutes to get it ready. So I'll lead us in prayer, and then uh, we'll watch the the video from the, the Wagners. All right, let's pray. Father, help us to think accurately, think soberly, think in line with reality. And then help us to, to use the gifts you've given to us as we remember the mercy that you've shown to us through Christ. Father, thank you for our church. I thank you personally, Father. I thank you for the many in our church who are examples of, of faithful, enduring, humble, gospel-centered, mindful of the mercies of God, service. And so we praise you for how you've sustained this church through, through this church, through the people of this church. Father, may we remember our, our ultimate motives, our best motives for serving. May you use that to, uh, to encourage us even as we head into this week. Thank you for the Wagners. And we pray now that as we hear of, of this update, uh, that we would support them faithfully and support them well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.